You are listening to College Success Habits with Jesse Mogul, episode 73. Let's get to the show. Oh, this show's the best. The best show. Best show. Best show ever. Welcome to the College Success Habits podcast. Do you want to triumph through school and have a little fun along the way? Learn habits to help you attain better productivity and hacks to help you slide through classes at any age. Here's your host, college circuit speaker, Jesse Mogul. Welcome back to College Success Habits. I am your host, Jesse Mogul. And as always, it is an honor and a privilege to have you here for the next 30 minutes or so. Well, we have made it almost to the end of the year. We still have quite a bit more of this election stuff to deal with. We've got finals coming up for you, no doubt. We've got what looks like to be spikes in COVID-19 related illnesses all around the world. We still have social issues and a ton of other things to cover in our society. (laughs) Boy, do we have a to-do list. And I thought, hmm, what could this episode be about? And I started looking at my own life and some of the challenges that I'm currently facing, that I have been facing. And one of them centers around my emotional maturity and my ability to handle my emotions, uh, the way that I process them internally, and then ultimately the way that they are displayed externally. And so I thought, okay, I have done out of the 73 episodes that I have done, so many of them have covered emotional intelligence. I've discussed this within the scope of NLP, Neuro Linguistic Programming, of which I am a master trainer of. I have discussed this within the scope of life coaching. I have discussed this within being a speaker on stage and and teaching people better emotional maturity habits and, and things that they can start to apply to their lives today. But I've never really discussed it in the scope of a student. And I don't mean like what you are, a student, but I mean like as me taking it on more as a student where I step into a role that I'm very familiar with, and that is of having no freaking clue (laughs) what to do and just stepping into a brand new world full of mystery and suspense and thrillers, and I'm not talking about the the summer blockbusters that we missed. I'm literally talking about emotional intelligence over here. It is amazing to me that at the age of 44, having been through what I've been through, that I still find myself reacting emotionally triggered rather than responding emotionally grounded. And I get that I spent a great deal of my adulthood intoxicated as an addict, as an alcoholic, as somebody who did drugs as a way of escaping from life in general. And I've talked about this on the show a lot because one of the main reasons I started this entire podcast was to get at the youth, get out there to talk to you, and even the non-traditional students, regardless of the age that you are, and be able to talk with you directly about some of the things that could show up in your life that could cause you to start behaving in a way that uh, is unbecoming, that is not something that you want to be behaving like. And as someone who can look back and is at least self-aware enough to understand the suffering I was going through um, back in the day, I can fully understand that in 1994 when my parents 
announced their divorce and I dove deep into alcohol and drugs, that I was not emotionally mature enough, nor was I equipped with the resources and the skills to handle that kind of emotional trauma. My entire family was destroyed. My mother moved away. My dad dove dove deeper into work. My sister was left at the house by herself where she got into an emotionally abusive and physically abusive and sexually abusive relationship as a freshman in high school. And I went away to college and my roommate's dad made LSD and all the Coke dealers found me. And next thing you know, it's a party and a half. And I say all of this just to give you some context to the amount of trauma and suffering that I was going through. And what ultimately ended up happening was I didn't mature in a healthy manner. And because of this, I find myself still behaving like an 8-year-old at times or a 12-year-old or a 16 or an 18-year-old because when you go through trauma in your life, a part of you gets anchored to that moment. And then the behaviors that you display after the fact end up becoming a part of your overall makeup, the programming that you have inside of you. And so you begin to react and or respond to situations based on how you always have, based on these anchors that are in your life. And so we're going to be discussing emotional maturity at a whole different level moving forward because of this book, Emotional Intelligence 2.0, and what I'm learning from it and the strategies and the, the lessons it's teaching me and the things it's going to begin to ask me to do. I'm going to be taking on these lessons. I'm going to be implementing them every single day, and I'm going to be working on understanding what I'm feeling on the inside and being able to release judgment, being able to release self-doubt, being able to release any of the negative emotions like fear, anger, jealousy, resentment, and stepping into a place of loving loving myself, loving the world around me, and loving the people around me, regardless of where they're at on their journey, so that I am more grounded in who I am. Because I can't control anybody else's actions. I can't control other people's behaviors, what they say, their thoughts, their feelings, any of it. I can only control me. And the straw that broke the camel's back on finally getting into this book and really understanding it and and doing the work necessary to become more emotionally intelligent was having a very, very upsetting argument with my girlfriend on Saturday night about politics and realizing that I just do not have the emotional tools to get into conversations where someone else um, raises their voice, gets emotionally triggered, and then I get emotionally triggered. And before you know it, it is just an emotionally trigger fest. And I can't control any of her aspects of the way she says things and behaves and does such as that, but I can control mine, right? And and looking back at it, not, I'm not even gonna. There, there is no right or wrong. I will look at myself with embarrassment. I, the way I behaved was appalling. Um, I won't forgive myself for acting that way. And well, I will forgive myself. That's part of the emotional maturity, that and emotional intelligence. Um, but I will definitely remember that as the moment that all of this was sparked to recreate and start anew. And. Because of that, I'm thinking, okay, what do we know about emotional maturity? 
right? What do we really know? When I go off and Google this, I end up finding just a ton of articles that I'm really not, I mean, having, again, this emotional intelligence book was written by some very bright people who put a tremendous amount of time, did a ton of studies. I mean, this is, these people, clearly, it's Travis Bradbury and Gene Greaves. And uh, I mean, clearly, I don't know their entire history, but let's just say these people know what they're talking about. And when you go and read blogs about emotional maturity, and it starts talking about things like flexibility and responsibility and personal growth and non-judgmentalness and resilience and a calm demeanor and approachability, uh, humor, things like that. I mean, this is some stuff like I would write, right? Where I don't have a medical background. I'm not someone who's done a tremendous amount of research in it. I just think to myself, what would emotional maturity you know, look like? What are some really awesome catch-all things you can say that will trigger someone to click into this blog article and read it? And uh, no doubt that all of these things that I have read, are they're very extremely helpful, right? It's absolutely great to start to learn more about it by reading things like this. But ultimately, when you're going to get into the actual act of healing yourself and stepping into an emotional mature state, it's time to go off and really find the experts. And again, podcasts are great because you have an opportunity to learn new information and be, uh, right? Like we talked about, um, sometimes I forget what, sometimes I honestly forget whether I've covered a topic in um, whether I've covered a topic in my podcast with you guys or my sobriety recovery podcast. But I know in one of them recently, I talked about how um, I think I put purpose as passion and service, I think was number episode 70. And I think that was where I referenced this because I'm looking back and I'm not noticing anything in these other ones that would be about what I'm getting ready to mention. And so, um, so yeah, I'm pretty sure it was you guys, episode 70, Purpose is Passion and Service. But let me just breeze over it real fast and say that when you're looking for your pa- your purpose, often we want to start there, what's my purpose? What's my purpose? When the way that the chain works is that you get curious, then you get interested, then you get passionate, and then you find purpose, right? The purpose is the fourth step. And the way this was explained to me is that, you know, you're a baby and you're just curious. You want to touch everything. You get older, you you begin to walk, you get very interested. You ask a ton of questions. Eventually, you become very passionate about it. Let's say somewhere between that 10 and 16 range, and you just want to do it all the time. And then as you get older, you figure out a way to turn that passion into a purpose, which is purpose is taking something that you're passionate about, which is internal for yourself, and turning it external where it begins to benefit the world. And so, I forget the whole point of why I just said all of that. I said something about purpose. Um, then I forget. Yeah, I absolutely forget. You know, oh, okay. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So, why we, we want to get passionate about something like this, right? Like, why this could turn into something that, you know, you find passion and purpose in. And, because, is that really what it was? Don't you guys like, I'm just going to talk out loud to you as I figure it out. Because you read these blogs. Oh, that's right. Because you read these blogs, and this is what will get you curious and interested about learning about emotional maturity. See, I can talk it out with you. Why edit all that out? Let's just be really obvious about sometimes I lose train of thought. And thank you for going along that ride with me. 
So you get curious, you get interested about a subject, then you turn it into a passion where you want to do it all the time. And that's where I want us to be with emotional maturity. I want us to be able to step into this world where there's a passion around it because EQ, emotional intelligence, versus IQ, which is just your intelligent quotient, according to everything I've read and very smart people about this, you basically have the same IQ throughout your entire life. Your ability you know, to learn things stays relatively the same. You can learn a ton of things, right? That's why intelligence versus, oh, he's really bright or he's really witty is, is different, right? And intelligence, you know, you meet those Sheldon Coopers of the world who are over here, you know, graduating with their PhD at 12. That's just not the way a, you know, a general person's brain, I almost said normal, but I took it back. It's not, it's not the way a general person's brain works. Emotional intelligence is something that actually can be grown. It can be changed. Your IQ, relatively the same. Emotional intelligence, I scored <laughs> a 60, a 65, a 64, and a 71 on the test. No bueno. <laughs> but I know it can be grown, and I know how to do it now that I have this book. And so the four skills of emotional intelligence are self-awareness, self-management, social awareness, and relationship management. Now, the beauty of this is that when you get into high school, right, my therapist used to always tell me, she still tells me that middle school is where you really begin to develop your emotional maturity. And then in high school is where your mental maturity steps up. But if you miss some of that in middle school and high school, you're in an environment where your emotional intelligence isn't challenged and you're not allowed to, to grow it in a, in a place where uh, there's a lack of judgment and shame around you making simple mistakes, then we ultimately end up becoming emotionally immature people going into college. And I have been discussing since I began doing this, these shows and began speaking and teaching that we are an emotionally unintelligent society, the whole world, and we are raised by unemotionally intelligent parents who are also raised by emotionally unintelligent parents, and you see how that change just continues to go. The circle of emotional unintelligence. It's a circle of unintelligence. You know, it's, <laughs> that was the Lion King. Hope you enjoyed that. And so it's to no fault of anyone's own. Right? We're not look, sitting here looking to place blame. We're not looking to chastise anyone for not having these resources and tools. Right? It's when you're offered them and you know that they exist and you know that there's a better way to do things than the way that you're currently doing them, that's when you can start getting down on yourself whenever you're not doing it. That's when you would expect other people to say, hey, you know, it's like, it'd be like digging a hole with a spoon when a shovel is sitting next to you. It's like, hey, there's a better way. Well, why don't you participate in the better way and pick up the damn shovel? And passively going about figuring out ways to control my external emotions is great and all, but that's digging with a spoon. I want to understand internally, why is it that I feel shame? Why is it that I feel remorse and judgment and guilt and sadness and anger? Why is it that I can get sparked? And like, just literally, I feel like this rage monster just gets awoken inside of me. Like, I want to understand what's going on internally. Because what, what happens externally is like when a volcano finally erupts, and the lava comes pouring out. It's like, oh, wow, that volcano is pretty active. Oh, it's been active all right. Just, it hasn't exploded yet. But I can assure you it has spent years cultivating that energy before it shoots out that lava. 
So why is there this cultivation of negative energy or just energy in general happening inside of me that I don't understand? I haven't figured out a way to, I don't want to contain it. I want to understand it so that it doesn't need to be contained. When you see someone who drinks a little too much and always wants to start a fight at the bar, or you see someone who who snaps at their roommates, or if you are one of those people who just, you know, any second you could go off the leash, or maybe you're uh, you're overly emotional and you start to cry at the, the moment somebody disagrees with you or something doesn't go your way. These are things that we can understand and work on and get better at. Self-awareness, self-management, social awareness, relationship management. Right? Nothing against all these blogs I read, but vision trumps knowledge and in, in understanding that I don't know all the answers and I have a vision and go for it and that there's um, you know, personal growth, which is adapt to the growing demands of myself and um, look objectively at my negative experiences. These are great and all, and they're, they're super awesome and helpful. When you can begin to add them to the blender that is Emotional Intelligence 2.0, this self-awareness, this self-management, this social awareness, this relationship management, right? That's when you truly step into the growth. So I'm going to go over the four um, skills real fast that the, the book talks about. And look, I'm not getting paid to talk about this stuff. I got no financial recourse with these people. I just simply know that when I come across something that I literally think can change my life, I want to talk more about it. I want to get more people involved in it because if there's one thing that I wish, there's a million things I would go back in college and at least course correct myself on a little bit. It is the fact that I spent so much time intoxicated that I spent very little time building my emotional intelligence and it is still costing me to this day. This book is packed with references where it says that your IQ can only help you so far in in your career, in your relationships, and with yourself. That if you go off and you go into a workplace and you act emotionally unintelligent, it will hinder your performance. It will hinder your financial reward from that job, and it will hinder your ability to climb the ladder. Yes, You have seen people in management positions. You have seen wealthy, successful people who lack emotional intelligence. This world is full of infinite possibilities. Why couldn't any of those be one of them? But think about how many people you have seen who are insanely talented, who do their job amazingly well, better than other people. But because they lack the emotional intelligence, they get stuck in that spot. They get steamrolled over by somebody with with maybe not even better emotional intelligence, but just a better way of manipulating the system, right? Perhaps they do lack the emotional intelligence enough to um, be able to be aware of the social situations around them and be able to integrate that better. The self-management. And I'm going to go over these four skills so we have a better idea of what they are because moving forward, I'm going to talk about it at least once a month. I, I, I want everyone to think about There are a few things in life that you can do that you will be able to see noticeable changes immediately, right? You can start doing bicep curls. You can start eating healthy. You can start, you know, taking a shower every morning and every night, and you can expect some change to come about. Well, I mean, if you stink really bad, then yes, showering every day and night is definitely going to help with that. But something more like working out, eating healthy, um, you know, getting up and going for a run, you know, that physical stuff that we all want to do so that we can be healthier and look better, we don't, that doesn't necessarily give you a payout right off the bat. 
it can take a long time. With a lot of this stuff that I've been reading the emotional intelligence books, although the best rewards will come with time, there is, there is the opportunity to see immediate rewards in the way that you treat yourself inside in your internal languaging, the way that you talk to those people around you, the way that you treat people in social situations, your, 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 the maturity you show in the way you communicate. These are things that you could go off and immediately see a change. And you could talk about this with people and let them know. And you're in college. Like, what an amazing thing to be in where you have tons of people figuring out their emotional maturity and intelligence. And you could literally get together with people and say, let's all work on this. Like a group project. Yay, more homework. Thanks, Jesse. So there are two sectors of emotional intelligence. And again, all of this is going to be according to the Emotional Intelligence 2.0 book. But these people seem very adept at this this topic, and so I'm going to just go with it as being factual based on their work and their research into it. So there's two main sections of it. There's two sections. It says personal competence and social competence. Now under personal competence, there's self-awareness and self-management. All right, And it says under personal competence, because I'm looking at the special test that they give, that the collective power of your self-awareness and self-management skills becomes your personal competence. It's how you use emotional intelligence in situations that are more about you privately. So with self-awareness, of which I got a 60 score on, it says that your ability to accurately perceive your emotions and stay aware of them as they happen. This includes keeping on top of how you tend to respond to specific situations and certain people. Think about that. How do you tend to respond to specific situations and certain people? You find out that there's a pop quiz. You see somebody of a certain uh, gender or race or religion approaching you. You walk into the apartment and you see your roommate. It is your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your parents, your grandparents. How do you tend to respond to specific situations and certain people? That's your self-awareness. Self-management is your ability to use awareness of your emotions to stay flexible, principle number six, and positively direct your behavior. Directing your behavior would be taking action, and that would be principle number four. I'm just drawing parallels to things we've discussed in previous shows. So this means managing your emotional reactions to all situations and people. That's self-management. So how you tend to respond to specific situations and certain people is your self-awareness. But knowing how to manage your emotional reactions to all situations and people is your self-management. So how you tend to respond is your awareness, knowing that, and your management is being able to control your emotional reactions to those specific situations and people. Section two, the social competence of which I got an overall score of 68, and I think that's only because relationship management came in at 71, whereas social awareness came in at 64, so it just took the mean there. Social competence is the combination of your social awareness and relationship management skills. It's more about how you are with other people. So my social awareness, of which I got a 64, your ability to accurately pick up on emotions in other people and get what is really going on. This often means understanding what other people are thinking and feeling, even if you don't feel the same way. 
when you feel a weird energy or something going on with someone, when you can tell through their facial expressions and their actions around you that something is off. It doesn't necessarily mean it's about you, but it just means being aware that something is off with that other person. Being able to understand what people are thinking and feeling, I mean, that's, that's yes, we're talking about some very keen awareness here because you generally only know what people are thinking if they say something. You generally only know what they're feeling if they tell you. So there's this social awareness that comes about whenever you're able to detect that things are good or bad, feelings good or bad. Relationship management, of which I got a 71, is your ability to use awareness of your emotions and the emotions of others to manage interactions successfully. Letting emotional awareness guide clear communication and effective handling of conflict. So your relationship management is just you being aware of your emotions and the other person's emotions so that the interactions you have with them go well. When you allow your emotional awareness to guide clear communication and your effective handling of conflict, you can walk away in a much better place, in a much more agreeance stance. See, with me, there is still that little child, that little ego, the lack of humility, the lack of desiring to be vulnerable around other people that will block me and say, no, I'm, you know, if I listen to what they have to say, even if I disagree with it, it somehow in some weird way means I condone what they're saying. I believe it. I'm, going, I'm, I'm, I'm agreeing by saying nothing. And that is not what it means. Somebody else wants to express their opinion about something in a very clear and direct manner, it does not matter what my opinion of it is. They are clearly wanting to display their opinion of it, and this is what happened Saturday night, and I could just allow it to be. Someone else's opinion does not make it mine. Someone else can raise their voice, and, 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 and they can display whatever kind of behavior they want. It doesn't mean that I'm going to radically change my opinion. But if I stay calm and I react in a calm manner, there is a Definitely, definitely the opportunity to learn more about that person's point of view, that person's model of the world. And if you're looking to connect, then you can't be sitting there fighting back with that person trying to be right. You have to open up a space for them to feel heard. And even if I don't agree, even if you don't agree, that's not what's happening at that moment. What's happening at that moment is that person wants to be heard. They want space so that they can express themselves. And I want to I create a, a space where that can be done without judgment and without hurt, and without anger or resistance. It'd be like if you watch somebody on TV, you know, screaming at the sky about something in particular. Just because you watched it on TV doesn't mean you agree. You just got a chance to learn something new about that person's model of the world. Even if that person belongs to a certain political party or roots for a certain sports team or has a certain hobby, doesn't mean that everybody else who is a part of that political party, who roots for that same sport team or has that same hobby, agrees with what that person's saying. Any more than it means that you agree with what they're saying by just simply listening. Emotional intelligence is what will change the world. 
we went from, you know, this industrial revolution into this military industrial complex, and we came out of it after World War II. And while I absolutely believe that the military industrial complex still runs a majority of this country along with the treasury, a whole different conversation. My point is, is that we went into this American dream prosperity situation up until about the 60s when the social injustice came about, or at least the social injustice movement came about. We did that in the 60s and 70s. We got into a state of just humongous economic growth where the technology age really began to take hold in the early 80s, right? We saw the stock market hit all-time highs. We saw the Nintendo and Coleco and, you know, um, those Texas Instrument graphing calculators come about. And all of a sudden, technology we didn't even know we desired was all around us. And this technology age has really driven us all the way through the 2000s into the internet age. Right now, we're at this information overage. We just, it's an information overage where there's just so much information out there that you, you can know anything at any time just by asking Google. It's all available. Now, whether what you're reading is going to be factual or not, that's a whole other conversation. But the point is, is that we are in an information age. And I believe that what is going to come after this is going to be the need in our society for the emotional intelligence cognitive thinking stage. Where great, everybody has access to all information on the planet at the top, at the tip of their fingers. So what are you doing by with that information? What is your cognitive thinking skills like? Can you take information from different fields and bring it together and create an all brand new thing? Can you take, you know, uh, let's say biology and could you take computer technology and could you somehow create an amazing app or an amazing website or amazing something out of it, right? That's what cognitive thinking is. It's this ability to take information from varying areas and bring it together and have it become something that is cognitive. It, It exists. It's brand new. Cognitive thinking skills are going to be critical moving forward because when everybody has access to the same information, how you process it in your brain and regurgitate it out for others to learn and grow through is going to be what separates the people who are super successful from the people who are just sort of kind of successful. But since cognitive thinking is more tied to our IQ, our intelligent quotient, right? You know, it's, again, your ability to learn your ability to hold in information from what I have read that stays pretty much the same. You can learn lots of different things, but your IQ isn't going to necessarily increase. Maybe about some points here or there, but we're not talking about 30, 40 point swings. I scored 60, 64, 65, and 71 on these emotional intelligence tests, and I was told in this book that I could absolutely get those up into the 90s. We're going to be looking at 30 point swings for every single one of them. In IQ conversations, that would be unheard of. Unless you're like John Travolta's character from the movie Phenomenon, where like some brain tumor helps him learn Portuguese in four hours, right? Like barring some miraculous kind of nonsensical situation, your IQ is pretty much where it's at. But your emotional intelligence, the other half of that emotional intelligence, cognitive thinking Uh, quotation I brought up earlier. Your emotional intelligence is going to be your ability to to be socially aware, have self-awareness, have self-management, and have relationship management. Because no matter how smart you are, no matter how great your cognitive thinking skills are, 
If you are just an emotional basket case or you're an emotional time bomb or you're an emotional volcano, whatever I could come up with as an example, your ability to succeed in those kind of work environments, social environments, and relationship environments, and how you handle your own um, your own self in all of those situations will ultimately determine your true success versus what you ultimately look back on as quote-unquote failures. And we've talked about this enough that there's not a failure, it's a feedback opportunity. So when you go back and you look at all of the things that you've done emotional intelligence-wise in your college career, in your high school career, middle school, how you used to behave, today is the day you can start making a change. You can choose to grow your emotional intelligence in a way that will blow your mind when you look back on yourself from where you're at today to where you're at in the future. At some point, you are going to want to work on this. You're going to probably need to work on this. Wouldn't it be better to go ahead and just plant that seed, plant that tree today, rather than waking up in 4, 8, 12, 16 years? Maybe you've even raised an emotionally unintelligent child, and then they start behaving the way you were behaving in high school, and you're wondering, like, what did I do wrong? You didn't do anything wrong. You did keep digging a hole with a spoon when there was a shovel right next to you. That's not wrong because the hole still got dug. It just wasn't the best way. And now that you know there's a better way, it's up to you to step into a world where you seize this day and you decide to change. Or one day you'll wake up in your 30s, 40s, me, 44, on Sunday morning, ashamed of the way that you behaved, ashamed of the way that you talked to somebody that you love, and you're going to wish you could take it all back and behave better. But time machines do not exist yet, and I wouldn't bank on them existing anytime soon. So you can read all the blog articles you want, And you can listen to all the podcasts that you want. But at some point, you're going to have to actually do the work. You're going to have to go out and get a book and treat it like the most important thing you've ever needed to learn in your life. Because your entire world is made up of people around you who lack emotional intelligence. And I'd be willing to bet money that you can point out the people in your life who have it. And I'd be willing to bet money you've got relatives, grandma, grandpa, and aunt and uncle, maybe your parents, siblings, who you can tell lack it. And if you were to really ask yourself, I'd be willing to bet you can see it in yourself too. It's not a negative positive when you decide to put the effort forth and start making a change. You sit back and you do nothing and you continue to act the way that you've been acting and you wonder why you keep getting the same results. Then you can kick yourself in the ass and ask yourself why you didn't take this opportunity after this podcast to go look into ways that you could start increasing your emotional intelligence today. I do not get paid by these authors to go and promote their book. 
But I can promise you that over the next year, as I'm doing these podcasts, the next two years, three years, I will be talking about this book every single month. I will be talking about my experiences with it every single week. And not because it's an episode just about this, but because I will start to see changes in myself. Changes I wanted to see years ago. Changes I promised myself I would seek out when I got sober. Look, what I want to make sure is absolutely clear, because I don't want to sound like some old fuddy-duddy who's getting on a soapbox and telling you how to live your life and telling you what you need to do. I'm just speaking from experience that inevitably situations will arise, tempers will get flared, emotional triggers will be re- will be set off, and you will find yourself in a position where understanding your self-awareness, your self-management, your social awareness, and your relationship management will play integral roles in your successes, in your quote-unquote failures in life. It's not beyond me to think that there are plenty of people who have now dove into this material, who have not thought about their emotional intelligence and are living perfectly fine and happy lives. What you have to ask yourself is, is that enough? When you go to raise your children, do you want to be emotionally reacting or do you want to be emotionally grounded and respond? Do you want to wake up and Find yourself in your 50s, 60s, 70s, or 80s and be that old curmudgeon of a relative that people just genuinely do not enjoy being around. See, there's infinite ways people can turn out and they don't necessarily ever have to dive into their emotional intelligence. They don't have to go to college. There are plenty of ways out there for you to do your business. So I don't want this to sound like a soapbox tutorial on why you need to study emotional intelligence. I'm just sending out some warning flags now that people who spend an inordinate amount of time in the self-help world, I'm not even talking about me. I'm talking about the, the Tony Robbinses of the world or the Eckhart Tolle's and you know the people who really you know have made a name for themselves in this industry. They have emotional intelligence issues. They have to overcome on a regular basis. So people who put a ton of time into this are still finding life challenging. I don't need to have personal experiences from them to know that this is true. I just know that people have challenges. (laughs) It has become my purpose now. I used to think my purpose for my soul's journey on this planet was to simply get sober and get my life in order. Oh, boy. No, no, no. It's so much greater than that. And what's inside of you is just as great. It just needs to be cultivated and grown, nurtured. I can assure you, you will have the life you desire if you go out there and you actively work on your emotional intelligence. So let's do this together. And I'll see you about this next week. As always, inclusivity over exclusivity, the power of positive energy, release and flow. Nothing but love for you all. I hope you've enjoyed this this, this dive into emotional intelligence. I can't wait to do it. It's super pumped. I'm super pumped. It's not super pumped. I am super pumped. Um, best of luck out there. Hey, find me on social media, at Jesse Mogul, at From Sobriety to Recovery. DM me, send me out a message. Let me know if you have any questions about this. As always, I am available. If you reach out, I assure you I will respond. Maybe not immediately, but I will respond. Much love and talk to you next week. Bye-bye.